0: We'll go down to their class. For those of you that are going to stay in here with us, thank you. There are other places you could be, but you are here, so we say thank you. Golden Nuggets from the Epistles is the series we've been in. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, when we started this series, I was originally just going to use... um, Scripture references his titles, but titles came to me. And this one was one of the the most difficult ones to to come up with, but here's the title, Tapping Into His Unlimited Resource. No, that's not real catchy or clever, but uh, it's true, because here's what I'm convinced of, and I believe the Lord has confirmed it through the service today, is that there's nothing we don't already possess. It's just realizing what we have It's standing on the promises of His Word. I mean sometimes we pray for things like they have to come to us but everything we need is within us because the I am is within us. And most of the time our problem is not that I need something to be given as much as I need something to come out. To be released. I need to understand. I need to to know or have it revealed to me. It's almost like You ever lost your sunglasses and they were on your head? (laughs) Seriously, have you ever done that? You've done it. You're reading glasses and you're like, I can't find my glasses anywhere. And someone's like, on your head. (laughs) Or you feel them. That's exactly what we are in the body of Christ so many times. We are wandering around saying, here I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And it's on us. It's in us. And the Lord is like, only he's like pointing here. It dwells within you. And that's what Paul is praying. I want you to understand, in the context, these, these epistles, these two prayers, um, there are several prayers throughout the epistles, throughout the, the letters, and they're great prayers. Pray them for your family. Pray them over yourself. Pray them for your friends. Because you really, uh, pray them for your enemies. Amen? Pray for your enemies. Pray the scripture. Because here's the thing, you can't get more biblical in your prayer than the Bible, right? And so anything that Paul prays for any of these churches is legit for you to pray for anyone, okay? That's the Bible. Anything God is going to do for one person, He'll do for another. You can pray it over the lives of people. And here's the thing, Paul starts this letter in the book of Ephesians by going through all that we have in Christ Jesus, the glories, the riches in Christ Jesus. And immediately after these verses, when he comes down to verse 15, he immediately breaks out into a prayer, praying that these riches would be revealed to the body of Christ. It's almost like he's saying that you wouldn't waste what God has given to you. You don't understand the fullness that is there in Christ Jesus. And so I'm praying for your eyes to get open. I'm praying that your heart is open so that you fully understand what is yours in Christ Jesus. In neither of these prayers does the Apostle Paul pray for them to receive material blessings. He doesn't pray for them to, for their circumstances to change at all. What he's praying for is a revelation that everything you need is in you. You were born rich into the kingdom of God and, and I need you to understand it and see it. It's almost as like he's saying, your glasses are on your head and if you would only realize it and put them on everything would become clear. Does that make sense? So, he begins to pray these prayers. And here's what our plan is. Our plan is that we're going to read these prayers, then we're going to look at the six different requests that he puts in these prayers, and then we're going to close the service today by, if you say, yeah, I want that prayed over me, we're going to pray those prayers over you, and then we're going to be done. There you go. Now you know where we're going. Hopefully, we'll get there in about 29 or so minutes, but we'll see. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is what it says. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. Now, those are the hallmarks of the Christian life. Faith in Jesus and love for people. If we lack those two things, we should really sit down and reflect on whether or not we've come into the kingdom. Because when you come into the kingdom, faith in Christ resonates in your heart and love for people. Now, I know it's not perfect and it's working itself out, but if it's not there at all, then maybe it's time to get on our face and repent and truly have an encounter with God that brings faith and love into our lives. And he's thanking God for them. Okay? One thing we know about church people is they're not perfect. You ever notice that? They make a lot of mistakes. They do dumb stuff. I'm a church people too. I know um, we do. We just we're not actually perfect. I mean, we are in Christ, but we're not in the flesh. And so, um, but yet Paul thanks God for them. I thank God for you every day. For you, I thank God for your imperfectness. I thank God for your life. I thank God for your faith and your love. I thank God. See, we can thank God even before people are perfect. We can be thankful in less than ideal circumstances. We can be thankful with less than perfect people surrounding us, that's what he says. So I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. For the benefit of the who? The church. He's over what? all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere in himself. Y'all got Bibles today? Y'all looking at me? I'm just wondering if you're looking at your Bible. Sorry. Ephesians chapter 3 now. Chapter 3, verse 14. When I think of all this, What's he talking about? What do I think about? He has just talked about how God has brought together Jew and Gentile. He has taken two irreconcilable forces. I mean, if you would have come in the Bible day and said, hey, Jews and Gentiles are going to associate together, ha, never going to happen. I mean, you want to talk about bigotry at its finest, this was it. Because the Gentiles were unclean. You can't fellowship with the unclean. And Paul says it's been in God's plan to clean everybody so that we can all have fellowship. He's broken down the walls. There's no longer Jew or Greek or Gentile. Or anybody. It's all we're Yes. So when I think of all this, what does he do? He falls to his knees again. So that you might not miss it. I keep praying for you. then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than what we might ask or think glory to him and in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and forever amen those are some good prayers amen now I want to look first at who Paul is addressing, because in these two prayers, this is what he says, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, the one who has all things under the authority of himself and has been made head over all things, he is the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, he is the God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's pretty impressive. I mean, you are not standing today before the President of the United States. You are not standing before some ruler on earth. You are not standing before Bill Gates to make your, your appeal to him to maybe help you in your endeavor or to, to somehow implore him to give you some money to get out, uh, to get out of some debt that you have. I mean, this is, you are standing before this one. And this is the one who prayer is being made on your behalf too. This is the great I Am. And can I tell you this? These descriptions don't even scratch the surface of who He is. You understand why we need Him to just reveal it to our spirit? I mean, we could spend the next three hours just giving you who God is in English words. It's not enough. It literally needs to be breathed in us by a spirit who He is. And just one breath from him in our spirit man is worth more than a million sermons. That's who he's addressing. That ought to build our faith. And here's what he says. Request number one. I pray that God would give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He's praying for them to have wisdom. The word wisdom means to the ability to put knowledge into practice. This is not just the gathering of facts. This is applying those facts to our lives. We have a lot of people that fill our churches in the American culture that know all the facts about the Bible, but we don't apply those facts to our lives. Or we only apply a portion of those facts. I mean, we, we, we serve this God who is very loving and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. But He's also just, holy, and fair. And so he's not going to continue to wink at your sin and you're not going to be able to continue to live however you want because he's slow to anger because he's also holy. And you can't continue to sin and trample the blood that brought you your freedom and your holiness in Christ Jesus. And so you can't just apply some of the facts. You can't just apply most of the facts. You can't just apply 99.9% of the facts. And we are so, we know all the scripture verses, but we apply very few of them to our lives. So Paul says, I pray that you would have wisdom, the ability to apply those facts, those truths to your life. And then he prays for them to have insight, or your Bible may say the word revelation, that God would make plain or clear to you. He would reveal to you truth. Now, when God reveals truth to us, sometimes it comes to our spirit and then into our brains. In fact, it always comes into our spirit and then into our brains. And sometimes our brains have a hard time processing what God has done or said in our spirit. It's very possible for God to speak something in you that you are not able to put into words, but you know it's there and you know it's true. Because God says in four, John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit. And if we're going to worship him, we've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we can understand what God has freely given us. We want to understand what he's freely given us. There's not one of us in this room who has yet come to understand what he's freely given us. We've understood a portion of it, but not Everything. And we have got to make it a part of our prayer lives to say, God, help us understand what you've freely given us. This is what we speak. We don't speak in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, considers them foolishness, cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. Spirit to Spirit, God communicates with us. And that's what Paul's praying. I pray that you'd have wisdom. I pray that you'd have revelation, that God would deposit truth in your life. And that truth, by the way, always lines up with his word because God doesn't contradict himself. We don't have to worry about that. There's an easy way to know. Take it to the test. But God reveals those things to us. And this wisdom and this revelation is all so that we can know God better. And not so that we can spout off a list of facts who he is. That word that we can know God better right here in Ephesians chapter 1 is the word to know God intimately and fully, completely. Now that in no way implies that we will ever come to the point where we fully know God. But it's talking about what is available to us. You every day of your Christian life can come to know more fully the great I am. And you should. You should. If you are not coming to know Him more fully today, you're stagnating. Amen. That's true. We can become intimately acquainted with him, and that's where Paul starts. Then he gives request number two. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. We have got to understand the hope of our calling. We have got to understand the confident hope we have in Christ Jesus. And our hearts need to be literally flooded with light that exposes every dark area. The enemy of our souls comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He uses deceptive ways, he uses lies, he uses tricks to hide from us what is ours in Christ Jesus. Everything we need is in us because the Holy Spirit is in us. Nothing needs to come from outside us. It's within us. The Holy Spirit is within us. It's not some new age mumbo jumbo. It's not within you as a person. It's within you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And most of us walk around looking for the things that are right in us. The problem is we don't see them. Because we've been cleverly tricked. Because our eyes have become blinded. Because there is a father of lies. John chapter 8, Jesus says to the people he's talking to, clearly, you can't understand what I'm saying because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father the devil and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies it's consistent with his character. He's a liar and the father of lies. So I tell the truth, you naturally don't believe me. It's all here. It's in there. He, the Spirit of God, the Word of God is everything we have need of. We, we walk around blind to it. Feeling our way through life, I don't know where to go. And Paul says, I want your hearts to be so flooded with light that every piece of darkness has to be gone. Second Corinthians chapter 4, Satan, the God of this world, blinds the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. We have got to be able to understand our confident hope, our victory, our overcoming, our calling, our rich and glorious inheritance in the saints. This is what Paul's saying. I want your hearts to be so flooded with light, exposing every area of darkness so that you can push it out. Because if there is darkness that gets exposed in your life and you continue to embrace it, that's deception. And you will not be able to see clearly. Even the truth you think you have is darkness. That's what Jesus says, if you think your eye is is full of light, if your heart is not single, in other words, if your heart is not set on Him and when He reveals darkness in your life, you get it out. You repent, you confess, you get that stuff out of your life. Because here's the truth, here's the promise. Since God did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? It's all there. We need our hearts to be flooded with light so we can understand the hope to which he's called us. He also prays, number three, that we would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly, heavenly realms. Now, the, the New Living Translation says the incredible greatness of God's power. It, it literally is the word God's immeasurably great power. Power beyond the ability to measure is the power of God. Can I tell you something? (laughs) If the immeasurably great power of God is at work for us who believe, hmm. It's really quiet. I mean, it's like that doesn't even faze us. Paul says, it's already at work in you. But can I tell you something? It's immeasurable. We need to stop being so excited that God did this nice little tiny thing for my hangnail. And understand, I'm grateful that he did that, but there's an immeasurably great power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in, in us. But here's the thing. Even the demons believe and they tremble because they don't do anything about it. They don't submit themselves to the Lord. Here's the thing. We, this immeasurably great power is at work within us, but if we don't cooperate with it, it it's pointless it's what a huge waste. What a waste. To have this incredibly great power at work within us, but doing nothing to tap into it. I mean, you know, if the Lord wants me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or understand His power more, He'll, just, He'll show me. Really? Because He says, if you seek me with your whole heart, you are going to find me and I am going to unlock the mysteries of heaven to you. That is a promise from the I am. And you know what? Our lives basically remain unchanged. We don't want to dig in too deep. I mean, we don't want to go after God with too much gusto because we don't want to look stupid. But yet, the great power of God, the immeasurably great power of God is already at work in us. And so we're satisfied that it's already at work in us. Nice power. Nice being at work in me. Take the blinders off, Lord, so that we can see what's available to us, so that when, when, when the Lord comes to us and taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to enter into a season of fasting and prayer, we're not like, oh, God, that's so costly. We're like, dude, I'm in, because I want to know this great power that works in me, not because I've got a miracle I want to see, but because I want strength to stand firm, because I want to see God invade my family, my workplace, and this community and turn it upside down. Because I know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, those false prophets, those false teachers because of the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. It's already done. You, we just have to see it. We have got to tap into it. And it doesn't just come because we somebody prays over you. It's not going to come to the Ephesians just because the Apostle Paul prays over them. They've got to work. They've got to tap into this Holy Spirit. They've got to know that when they seek Him, they're going to receive power because the Holy Spirit brings power. Look in Acts chapter 1, they receive power to be witnesses so they can go everywhere telling everyone in the the world about the kingdom of God. And then in in chapter 4, when they're threatened, they said, Lord, hear, hear the threats. Give us great boldness. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What a presumptuous prayer. How dare they pray that? The audacity of them to have that prayer answered. By the place being shaken and them all being filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, when will we, when will we just come to grips with the, that, the fact that our lives maybe are so powerless because we stop praying bold prayers? Because we stop praying at all? Because we stop making Him our pursuit? I mean, yeah, I don't understand the gifts of the Spirit. And if God wants me to have understanding, then yeah, it'll come. No, it won't. He wants all men to be saved, but it isn't coming to anyone who doesn't ask. I mean, if you want to be satisfied with the power of God that's already at work within you, it's genuine. It's there. I'm not trying to to, to deny it or, or, or downplay it. I'm grateful that God is at work in people's lives. But here's the thing. The immeasurably great power of God is at work in those who believe. And we pray, God, open our eyes to see it. Every day of our lives, this ought to be our prayer. Open my eyes to see and understand your great power that's working within me. Number four, that his glorious, from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. This goes right along with it. That He would give us out of His glorious unlimited resources the inner strength we need. Never in the Scripture have we been promised peaceful circumstances, but we have been promised peace, strength in every circumstance. And here's the thing, it only comes to those who ask for it. If you are feeling overwhelmed, ask for it. Well, I did and it didn't you ask until it comes. And you ask and you ask and if that's all you get done in a day, you ask. Give us the ability to persevere, to keep fighting, to claw to overcome because Christ lives in us and this is what then christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him now here's what we know christ already dwells in our hearts but he makes himself at home how many of you know it's one thing to live in a house it's another to feel at home in a house right all right scott (laughs) scott's been living with friends in sioux falls and it's one thing to live in someone else's house and they'll say hey make yourself at home but it doesn't feel like home because it's not yours it's no matter how generous and nice people are it's just it's not home I mean, you know, it's just not home. Christ lives in our hearts. We want him to be at home. And so we, we now, we do things. Here's the thing. If, if I'm allergic to cats, so you invite me to your home and you bring seven cats into the living room and, and put them all around me, knowing I'm allergic to them. I'm not really at home there, am I? In fact, I'll probably leave within 15 minutes because I won't be able to breathe. It will be very difficult. So I've been in people's homes that have cats and they put the cats away. We do things to make sure that, you know, that it's not going to affect me so that I can feel more at home there. Understand that? We invite Christ to live in our lives, but we don't change our behaviors at all and expect Him to just feel at home. The holy God does not feel at home where there is impurity And unholiness reigning. Okay, So we we cleanse ourselves from that stuff because we want Him to feel more at home within us. But that's not what Paul's saying here. He's talking about faith. That He will make you strong in your inner man. In other words, when you are in adverse circumstances, you will just have the audacity to put your faith and trust in God no matter what everything else is screaming at you. You know, that type of relentless faith attracts him. Look at the Gospels, and look how many times he's attracted to people that push through, that cry out, that are just relentless in their faith. The centurion that says, I understand authority. Tell this one to go. You don't have to enter my home. I'm not worthy of it. You just say the word. Jesus is like, I love that I feel at home with that kind of faith. He doesn't feel at home when we're like, oh God, my life is terrible, and all oh, everything's falling apart, and... Ah. Where are you? I'm right here. He, he feels so at home. And so we pray. We're like, God, I feel right now like everything is falling apart and I feel right now like this and I feel this and I feel this and I feel this, but this I know to be true. And that, he loves that. Oh, that kind of faith makes him at home. Don't you love it? And then our roots get to sink, sink down deep into his love and His love is what keeps us strong. His love is what keeps us strong. In other words, when everything around me is chaos and I feel very unloved, I feel like the world is against me, I feel like everything's falling apart, I know God's love is faithful. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute, endangered, and threatened with death? No despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Where? Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us and that proves it right there. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. No life, no death, no angels, no demons, no fears for today, no worries about tomorrow, no powers of hell can separate us from Christ's love, no power in the sky above, no power on earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in christ jesus and that's what he prays in number five that you would understand as all god's people should how wide how long how high and how deep his love is you've got to understand this and that word understand means to comprehend or to perceive it's an intellectual knowing you have got to intellectualize the love of god why because sometimes your feelings are going to tell you you're not loved sometimes your situation is going to tell you you're not loved and in those moments, your brain needs to kick in and remind your feelings you are loved. Nothing separates me from His love. And that's the intellectual part. In those times, we have to know He loves us. And we have to give His love. Because God is love. That's what John, 1 John chapter 4 says. Now, sometimes people... Let me get on a little soapbox for just a minute. Um, like the song that we sing, "One thing remains: Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me." Some people are like, "Why do we sing that song? Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me." I just, it's like really gushy and stupid, and we should be praising God. Can I tell you something? Absolutely, we should be praising God. One of my favorite songs is In Christ Alone. I love that song, powerful truth. One of my favorite songs is um, Shout to the Lord, still, that oldie, written all the way back in 1991, okay, that's one of my favorites, okay, Shout to the Lord. Uh, I love those songs. I love the power of them. Uh, We need them in our worship set, but can I tell you something? We also need One Thing Remains. We need to sing, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Why? Because the Bible says right here that we are strengthened by his love, the knowledge of his love. And sometimes we have to sing it over and over and over and over and over and over. And why do we have to sing this song 10 times? Because you need to understand his love. Because you are about to go out there and everything is going to scream at you, he doesn't love you. And so we sing it enough that it gets in you so that you understand it. But he doesn't stop there. Because he says this, so that you may experience the love of Christ. Mm, I love it. Paul says, I want you to understand the love of God intellectually, but I don't want it to stop there. You need to experience the love of God. Can I tell you something? Christianity was never meant to just be gritted out. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's a clawing. Sometimes it's just a perseverance. Sometimes it's everything I can do to stand, I stand. But sometimes it's meant to just be embraced. It's meant to be felt. It's meant to be experienced. Can I tell you something? Emotions did not enter the human life at the fall. It wasn't like when we, we were emotionless robots that walked around before the fall and then after the fall, emotions came. Now, emotions got messed up after the fall. And now they go crazy. And we don't live by them. We live by faith. We live by what is true. But can I tell you something? God wants you to encounter Him. The reason that Christ died to give us perfect access to God is so that we could experience Him. He gave us emotions. He tells us in the Psalms to taste and see that the Lord is good. Look at the Song of Solomon. Talk about love affair with us. He wants us to feel it. The Psalms are loaded with sensory images. Look at the church that he talks to in Revelation chapter 2. I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You've tested those who claim to be apostles and they're not, and you found them false. You've persevered. You've endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Praise God we're feeling good about ourselves today, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Here's the thing. I didn't save you just so you could be my robot on earth. I didn't save you because I want you to go and do my bidding for me. I didn't save you because I want you to just grit it out and and just suck it up. I saved you because God so loved the world that He saved us by sending His Son And so all of these things are great. These are important. We need perseverance. We need to not tolerate wicked people. We need to test those who are false prophets, apostles. We need to persevere. We need to endure hardships. We need not to grow weary. But church, we cannot neglect our first love. He just wants you to feel it. And some days you do. You just need to sit and feel it. And so we don't... You know, we never have a whole worship set full of lovey dovey songs. Why? Because that's out of balance. We need the songs that talk about the holiness and the awesomeness and the splendor of God. But we also need the songs that talk about His love and how much He just wants to lavish it on us. It's the balance. And we all prefer one over the other. I don't care. We need both. We need both. We need to know. And here's the thing. Experience does not make you more mature than someone else. Okay? Experiencing God, crying, feeling His love, just being enamored by Him, all of those things are awesome and they give us enjoyment in this process, but ain't none of them... A mark of spiritual maturity. It's just a a mark that you've opened yourself up to let God encounter you. The mark of spiritual maturity is living in the truth. But so that you enjoy the process too, God's like, I want to just lavish love on you once in a while. Just sit still and let me just love you. So you can get to heaven without feeling that God loves you. (laughs) You can be spiritually mature without feeling God loves you, but it isn't as much fun. I'll just tell you that. It isn't as much fun. It's for His pleasure and for yours. Do you believe me? Don't believe me, believe Him. There is so much that has been accomplished for us through the cross. More than we know Paul hits on a few of them right here and, and we were close. We got through it in 32 minutes. Pretty close. I'm going to ask Christy to come to the keyboard and as I said, this is how we're going to close today. This is all we're going to do. We're going to pray. You say, all of these prayers, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray them for you. You want me to pray these for you, I want to pray them for you. But here's the thing. My prayers alone aren't like some magic wand I can just wave over you. Okay, your heart has to come into agreement with the prayer. Meaning, you have to say, I agree with the prayer and I receive the prayer. That's step one. But we gotta walk out the prayer. Okay, we, we've got to walk making Christ more at home in our hearts. We can't just say, well, hey, Pastor Tom prayed for me today, so my heart this week is going to be flooded with light. No, every day you pray, Lord, flood my heart with light. Every day, Lord, give me wisdom and revelation. Lord, every day. And here's the thing, is you pray these things more and more, now all you have to do is say, Lord, give me wisdom and revelation. You don't have to pray all that stuff that Paul just prayed, because it's, it's right here. I know what I'm praying. When I pray, God, give me wisdom and revelation. Now, if you're praying for other people, you might need to explain what you're praying. You might need to use the whole passage of Scripture. But now, hey, the Holy Spirit's deposited this. I just pray, God, I need to know your incomparably great power at work within me. I need to understand it. What, 30 seconds? You could could numb this down to 30 seconds every morning. And when you're in the shower, you say God, here is my prayer for today. But it's not just words that roll off our tongue. It's from my heart. God, I need this. And you start setting your heart like flint on that, God is going to show up big. So, let's stand together. If you say today, that's me. I I believe that. I want to engage my heart with it. I'm going to ask you to step out and I want you to come and just line up across the front because I want to pray for you, but I want you to receive it. You, by a step of faith, stepping out and you coming. Go ahead, come. You don't have to wait. By stepping out across the front, you're saying, God, these, these are your words. This is your prayer and I receive it today. And God, I set my heart today not only to receive it, but to walk in obedience to your word. I'm going to receive it and I'm going to live it. else you want to come so father today we come before you the great I am the creator of heaven and earth you are the one seated above all things with every power every authority every leader everything under your feet. God, we address ourselves to you today. And we pray, Father, right now for every person at this altar. God, everyone who has come today and said, this is my prayer. God, we pray for spiritual wisdom and insight so that we might grow in our knowledge of God. We pray that our hearts will be flooded with light so that we can understand the confident hope that you have given to those you've called. Your holy people who are your rich and glorious inheritance. We pray that we will understand the incredible greatness, the immeasurable greatness of your power for us who believe in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand and in the heavenly realms far above any ruler or authority or power. We pray that from your glorious unlimited resources that you will empower us with inner strength through your Holy Spirit so that Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. That our roots will grow down into your love and keep us strong. We pray that we would have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is for us. And that we would experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then we will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we would ever ask or imagine in Christ Jesus. We pray, amen. Let it be, amen. If you want to take time around this altar, you're, I'd encourage you, you can do that. If you need to be dismissed, go ahead and do that quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that want to pray. If you need prayer and haven't been prayed for yet, make sure you find one of us who will hang around this altar for a little bit. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you, Jesus.